Good morning, everyone. We bring you greetings from our brothers and sisters in Nigeria. If you have been watching or checking the news from our news, you probably don't hear anything about Nigeria. Because uh, unless I would die as a missionary or some American or something would be affected in Nigeria, maybe the news would get on. But even I was sharing with Sunday school class, even last week there were 18 people or so killed just about 20 miles from our seminary in Nigeria by Fulani militia herdsmen. And this is the type of thing that they face all the time right now. It's not good at all. Yet... Some of our students, some of our staff, some of our faculty, they're great examples of being strong in the Lord, even when things are difficult. So we thank God for what he's doing here at Webster Bible Church. Thank you so much for your ministries of prayer and support, helping different projects, different times. The needs when we think of Nigeria are always overwhelming. The needs are much more than the supply in the sense of a spirit, uh, maybe like money and other things, the needs are always big, big there. But we thank God for those who've had a part, and we continue to encourage our brothers and sisters there, because they're an encouragement to us. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your prayers this morning. So this morning, I'd like to start off, and we'd like to watch just a very quick clip. I don't want to be stuck behind a desk. But out on your own. I won't be alone. I'll be a part of a team. Making an impact. So what do you say, Mom? And of course the mother is saying, can't you find anything else to do than go in there and fight? I think the same comes along for us when we think of missions here in America and different parts of the world. The challenge there, you'll see there, a success tomorrow begins with your support today. Let's think about the spiritual side. The needs are so many in different parts of the world. And God can use some of you to be goers and some of our young people to go. I went for one summer and uh, it kind of stretched a little. Coletta the same way, a summer, seeing the needs and seeing that God could use us in different ways. And I believe some of you could make a great difference. We're going to talk about that this morning. And today, we want to talk about the fact how to produce missionaries for the next generation. And we'd like to look at the life of Barnabas from the book of Acts, some, of, some passages that I've picked out that can make a difference. So we're talking about the idea of encouragement. We need to encourage those in our church who have an interest in serving God through missions. There's a quote that comes from one ministry. We were at Lancaster Bible College several months ago, and they had a missions conference. The speaker was challenging different students to get involved, and he was at Word of Life Institute, Bible Institute, and he was asking the students, what are some reasons why young people don't get involved in missions? Some said, well, uh, maybe debt. 
They have a lot of debt to clear. Maybe they have a family obligations. Other, maybe excuses, we could say, or reasons why they couldn't go. And one of them kind of shocked him. And this is what the one said. He said, my Christian parents never presented cross-cultural missions to me as an option. I don't know about you. Would you be afraid as parents to pray that prayer? Lord, send my children, send our relatives or others to go to different parts of the world. We're proud to have the military, students going for the military. But what about missions? There are different parts of the world today. Still opportunities are there, and we could be encouraged there. But it might be one motivation for your children, for you to yield to the Lord and say, God, my children, kind of like Abraham with Isaac, God, here he is, and do what you want with him. That's a scary prayer request. But I believe it's one that even my mom, she couldn't go to ministry in China, where she wanted it back in the 1940s, the late 1940s, and she, the door closed also at that time because the government said no more missionaries. Yet look what God is doing in China today. So millions of people are standing for the Lord, coming to know the Lord. But my mom prayed at least one of her children could go to ministry, maybe to represent her. And she was 100 years old. She just passed away a couple weeks ago. But God used her, and we thank God for that. So I see myself as an answer to prayer. And we have the goers, and we have the senders. Both are needed. I think both are equally important. We just have the privilege of going. You have the privilege of partnering behind us today. So let's look at a few things here. I wanted to give a little credit to part of the points that I have today from Dr. Danny McCain, a seasoned missionary ministering in one of the universities in Nigeria, in Jos, and he has reached out to so many students on campus, a university, and sharing the gospel and teaching different courses on religion and the Bible. And he's also a prolific writer. He has written many, many books. So one of them was talking about sending missionaries or serving God away from home. So I'm bringing out some points from his chapter on Barnabas today. Also from Dr. Todd Arend from the thetravelingteam.org. If you want to find out some ways to serve and to get a group, a young group especially, interested in missions, very, very helpful website. So he was speaking and gave a couple quotes there, even about not getting involved or the, or the parents not encouraging their children in missions. So let's look at a few things here. We want to see here, well, let me come back on one. Yes, there we go. All right, I wanted to bring out several points. You might have them in your bulletin this morning. First of all, we're talking about Barnabas, a missionary maker. God has given each believer at least one spiritual gift to serve and encourage others. We want to study how God equipped Barnabas for his ministry and how he used him to encourage others to serve the Lord. Let's look at a few things about Barnabas from the book of Acts. A very interesting person, and God used him in a mighty way. Who was Barnabas? 
Acts 4, 36 and 37 say this. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. I think we could see here at least that there were two gifts that God gave Barnabas. He knew the Lord. He was probably a very wealthy person. And here he was, even his name showed something, a son of encouragement. Wow. If you have a name like that, you have to do what it says. And he was doing it with the Lord's help. Also, probably the gift of giving. Here he, he might have had some different property. He sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So, right from the beginning, he was involved in ministry. Also, his character was also seen from the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 11, verses 22 to 24, the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. There were some challenges in the, in the church in the area of Antioch, and the, the early church from Jerusalem said, Barnabas, we want you to go. So he was going. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. <clears throat> and he exhorted, or the word encouraged, them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Why? For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. It might not have been necessarily that he was the person who was out witnessing, but somehow he was encouraging the members in that church and probably teaching them from God's word to go out. And many came to know the Lord. Praise the Lord. I have a question for you today. Do you know what your spiritual gift or gifts are? Dr. Charles Ryrie defined a spiritual gift as a God-given ability to service. In Bible college, one of my professors, Paul Mangum, was teaching the study on the Holy Spirit. And one day he was talking about spiritual gifts. He said, there are at least three ways you can know what your spiritual gift is. First of all, joy. What you do is going, is going to bring joy to you. And I think sometimes we think what God's will is something terrible. And God leading us to another country, another ministry, how could he do that? Why is he doing this? Let me stay home and wait everything comfortable. Well, I think when you do what you are gifted to do, there's going to be joy. Now, some of you are teachers. Pastor Matt's a pastor. Coletta is a nurse. Her greatest joy is to see somebody who's sick or who needs some medical care or encouragement to be seeing. She's going there and she's helping. At the end of the day, even she's making a meal or two for some shut-ins right now. She's visiting and working with an immigrant lady from Syria. She has five girls, little baby, and she's been going to visit and she's trying to help her to learn English a little. These are opportunities to serve and to give out. Secondly, there's going to be some fruit in your life. 
and what you're doing, you're going to see some fruit. If, if I'm saying that I'm a teacher and nobody's blessed at all, then maybe I should think about my gift. So there's going to be fruit in what you're doing and there, and there's along with joy. And then for me, I think many of you might have experienced this too in your journey. There's going to be the blessing and confirmation of other Christian leaders to say, yes, I think you have that gift and go for it. But you need to be active. If you're just sitting there doing nothing, you're not going to really find your gift. So I would encourage some of you, I hope we don't have too many Sunday, Sunday Christians here in the auditorium. By that I mean you come Sunday morning and the next thing that happens to you in your life relating to the church is next Sunday. There's nothing involved there. You're not getting into maybe a Bible study or some ministry or finding how God could use you. So I would encourage you, with the help of the Lord, move ahead, get involved in some things, and see what God would have to do. So I, I, this is a picture of President Miles with a brother, Ola Moore. I think the church has supported him back in the 80s, and he's down in Virginia now and pastoring a church. He's up in the mid to late 70s, but still going strong for the Lord. I remember what Yogi Berra said one time, and I want to do it too. He said, it ain't over till it's over, right? Let me keep moving. Look like my mom. She was still making baby caps one week or so before she died, right up to the end. So God used her. To, she made over 2,000 baby caps and gave them to Samaritan's Purse to put in some of those Christian uh, Christmas boxes to send out. Probably some of those went in different parts of the world. Praise the Lord. She wasn't looking for fame, but she they had joy in doing that. Well, I, I ask you, what's your passion? Here's where, again, your gift from the Lord is going to be seen. What's driving you? Even you see that one picture there. You're like, how are you wired? All right? Each of us is wired differently. That's for sure. Even in our temperaments. But there were two things that I thought I would never want to do. One was teach. One was preach. What happened? All right? You see how God has, has, leads. Even he can change our perspective and move us ahead. So those are the things that I think I have been strongest in. And probably administration as well. So we thank God for these things. Well, I want to encourage us that there's ju there are just not some ways, one way that will ch challenge or encourage you. Maybe you're thinking like, oh, if I go for missions, I'll, the only place is a Bible college or seminary. No. Look at some of the list here of some of the things. I'll try to read them. I don't have them right here. But here we see what? Business as mission, called BAM. Some people are engineers. Some are professors in a university. They're going and using, they're finding a business in a, maybe a limited access com, com, uh, country, like maybe Jordan, the Middle East, some of the Muslim-dominated countries. They're going there, and they're starting a business, but they're trusting that God would use them in that situation to be a witness for him. Then there are many others. ESL, English as a second language. So many people, even here, I don't know about the Webster area, probably some, but in Lancaster, Lancaster is one of the biggest cities and areas in the States for immigrants coming. 
and they're coming from all over. We're just uh, working at our church. We have about 17 people in our church who are working through the process of becoming cross-cultural missionaries. And one couple, even their plan is to visit and minister to immigrants from Afghanistan who are in Lancaster. The doors are open. Who knows, some of your neighbors might be from a Hindu or a Buddhist or other background. How are we talking about them? I think even that brother Todd from the Lancaster Bible College, some people were saying that uh, they reached out to a particular person, and the person said, I haven't seen a Christian or talked to a Christian, or they, they would have come to my house for 14 years. All right? Who are we reaching? How are we reaching them? Some of us can step out. And those, even if we're thinking of going to another country, some of the people from that country might even be here, and we could begin to minister with them and get to know their culture and all that they stand for. So this is encouraging. Some others I have listed. IT, all right? Look at some of the people who are helping you. What could they do in another culture, even to help in different ways? And then we have computer trainers. We have construction maintenance, mechanics. Boy, would our seminary love somebody who maybe is construction or maintenance. He's been building and go over there for a couple weeks or some months to serve and help our skill acquisition center come up a little more. Again, not to do a project only, but to be training and helping the students and others to do it. It's a little different there. Opportunities, big time. Then we also have musicians, worship teams, some of the people who are up here thinking about ethnomusicology, big term there, all right? But as learning the music of the culture and then helping them to do better in it. So many ways, church planters, obviously, agricultural workers, wow, to come over and help in maybe our projects for the catfish project or poultry or rabbits. We're doing beekeeping we shared this morning some of these things to equip some of our people even to go to a place that might be Muslim-dominated. These are opportunities that we could have because they won't go in just as an evangelist, but if they go in with a skill or training, even sewing, different handcrafts and things like that, it can make a big difference. And I also have a few other things there. Missionary school staff, just like you've had the Christian school. There are opportunities in different places. Our children were benefited from that very much for six or so years in a missionary boarding school. And then there are, there are other things here. Reaching refugees, like Coletta is doing. Immigrants, right around here. Chaplains in the army, the military. So many places. Doctors and nurses. Some of our ministries in Nigeria many years ago started because there were teachers and doctors and nurses going there to start, and people came to know the Lord. So these are just part of a list. Even sports ministries, other places like this, people are going to minister to young people, and sports is big time. Soccer or football is the game in many of our countries. Even in Nigeria, many of our students they play soccer with just their feet, right? And they're running on pretty rough, rough ground. So their 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 soles of their shoes, uh, their their feet are pretty strong, pretty uh, hard. But opportunities to share the gospel 
or many of them. So we can see that God used Barnabas. Also, secondly, let's see here. God's purpose will guide you in how to influence others to serve him. And we can see a few things here. That when Barnabas reached out to the apostle Paul, what was his first his name first before it changed to Paul? Saul. Okay. I was reading about that last night, and it was talking about the fact that Saul was his Jewish name, and when he had some more ministries going to the Gentiles, his name was Paul. That was the Roman name for him. So he could kind of go either way, but God led him more to the Gentiles at this particular time. So these some verses to help here. And, and between here, there was a gap of some years between these particular verses. The Apostle Paul went to Arabia for about three years, and evidently he went back to Tarsus where he was living for some years. And now Barnabas is having a need. Let's see what happens. Verse 26 of Acts 9. When he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. They were all afraid of him, for they didn't believe that he was a disciple. What was the trouble? They had the idea that Paul or Saul was going to come and kill them because he had already done that before he came to know the Lord. It's like somebody coming out of prison or somebody who has a bad background. He comes to know the Lord. Maybe he's been a drug addict. And uh, Pastor Matt comes along and says, Hey, look at this person. Here he is. Praise the Lord. And he says, eh? You might uh, have a lot of hesitancy to go even to shake his hand. All right? Is he going to rob me? What's going to happen? This is the context here. Verse 27 I like the word, first word, but, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. So between this time right here and the next verses in Acts 11 that I'm talking about that gap of some years. So there's a second part here. Not only did, the, the, did Barnabas reach out to Saul and to accept him as a brother in the Lord, but he also accept, he moved ahead and he had to do with promotion. He accepted him as a worker. Verses 11 to, uh, chapter 11, 25 to 26. Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and they taught a great many people. In Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So they were very active and Barnabas probably gave Saul, okay, you teach this Bible study in that context. You go out and reach the, uh, visit these people. Whatever he was doing, he was learning to how to be a leader. And already he was a leader. Remember, he was a Pharisee. He had a lot of training, a lot of background, but now it was yielded to the Lord. So this is encouraging to see how God was working. Then thirdly, we can see the fact that God will encourage you as you pour your lives into the lives of other people. One definition of discipleship is this. Pouring your life into the life of another Training him, I'm going to add, or her, right? 
I'm not working on pronouns and things too much. Uh, that get me in trouble yesterday. All right. But here, training him or her to be mature in Christ. Why? For God's glory. That is what we want to do. Helping young people, helping adult people, whoever who had come to know the Lord, to help them to move ahead. And that was the goal that Barnabas had, and that should be our goal, reaching out to help someone. Then also, there was another point that we can bring out, the fact that there was subordination. Barnabas accepted Paul as a leader. And we're going to see some things that happened that were really different in Barnabas's life with Saul than many other people in the Bible. So let's just see. On the island of Cyprus, the first stop on their missionary journey, the first missionary journey, something happened. And let's look at these verses. Acts 13, 6 to 9. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. So he was inviting them to come. All right, let's see what also happened here as Barnabas was accepting Paul as a leader. These verses, verse 8 said, But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Barnabas, is that what your verse says? But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the, re- the straight paths of the Lord? Wow. Here Saul stepped up when maybe he was quiet before. And let's see a little the shift that might be coming. I want to have you see here, if you can figure it out. What changed? What shifted? We saw those verses. You see them? All right. This verse says, now, okay, yes. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. What changed or shift? Let's try another passage here. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. And then 1346, and Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly. What changed? You see a shift there? All right. In the verses before, the ones we read before, it was Barnabas and Saul. Now what's happening? This one is now Paul and Barnabas. There was a shift here. Why would have it happened? Well, let's see a little here. We don't know all, but it's interesting to see that Paul now became the... Okay, I'm just pointing out here these verses. Paul and his companions, you see? And then again, Paul and Barnabas in those passages. What changed? Let's talk about that a minute. Paul now becomes the leader and the spokesman. The student becomes the team leader. The junior person becomes the most prominent. How would react? 
How would you react in that situation? You've been teaching somebody and he goes ahead of you. Probably some of, some of us would say, no way. All right. This is what happens sometimes even in Nigeria. You have older people who just have a diploma and you have a student coming from Bible college or seminary and he has his master's degree or his first degree. The older man feels very threatened. And why should he get in here? All right. And we've done it this way. He shouldn't be pushing us this way or that. You could see the troubles there. Well, let's see what Barnabas did. All right. How would have you reacted toward this situation? What would have happened if Barnabas did those things and stopped Paul from working? Well, some of the things that would have changed here. All right. We could see here the, a couple of things. Barnabas, his gifts were different than Saul or Paul. Barnabas saw that Paul had the gifts of evangelism, communication, and leadership. And he said, go for it, Paul. Praise the Lord. All right? I've been seeing you. Kind of like President Miles seeing in me the potential of a teacher, even though I didn't think I would be interested in a teacher. He was encouraging him. Secondly, Barnabas's gifts were exhortation and encouragement. Barnabas was a builder of leaders, stepping aside to allow Paul to lead. Praise the Lord for people who are like Barnabas. Some of you are like a Barnabas there too. And I think of even like uh, your wife, Pastor Ruthie, all right? She's not here this morning because she's helping the children. Her helping the children, who knows, or some of you men in different ways with the boys or ministries there, who knows, there might be a Billy Graham in your class. If you encourage them and move them ahead and say, hey, you can do it, and your love toward them, it can make a great difference. So what if some of these things? What if Barnabas didn't accept Saul in Jerusalem that first time? Or to go after Saul in Tarsus? These are some things that we could think about. What would have happened if, if Barnabas didn't reach out that way? Or Barnabas didn't take second place on their team. They were, he was reaching out to them. And so here we can see Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. You read those verses this morning from Romans 1, I believe, where it talked about Paul being a servant of Christ. He was probably the greatest Christian leader of all time. If so, it's because Barnabas and his faithful service to God were seen. You remember the story about John Mark? They had some troubles in Acts, uh, I think, chapter 15. And they were going at each other. And Paul said, no way. I don't want to bring John Mark with me again. All right. And Barnabas said, hey, I'll take. I think he was even a Barnabas was a relative of, of John Mark. He said, let him, let him come with me. Somehow again, like he helped Paul, Saul to become Paul. Here he took John Mark, and Paul later had to come along and say what? He's profitable. Come along, Mark. Kind of like a slap in the face, I'm sure. He about to really say, well, okay. But you see how God was working. So we thank God. Will you be the next Barnabas and who, who produces the next apostle, Paul? So, I want to encourage you, whatever you're doing, don't take your ministry lightly here. Behind the scenes, 
God's going to reward you sometime. Just like my mom. She wasn't looking like, hey, look what I did. 2,000 or more little baby caps over my, my years. Give me praise. No, she wasn't looking for that at all. And so I think these are some challenges for us. John Wesley said, The world is yet to see what God could do through a person who does not care who gets the credit for his work. I know we have some political leaders. Others are saying, look at me. Look what I've done. But humility, I'd like to see more, even in some of our leaders. And it comes to us. It's a temptation always to ask for credit. But we thank God for this. What if... Paul might not have gone on his missionary journeys if Barnabas didn't reach out to him. Two-thirds of the book of Acts would not have been written. And none of Paul's epistles would have been written. What would our New Testament look like? It would be a little thinner, wouldn't it? And a lot of doctrine, a lot of teaching, a lot on prophecy. So many things we have received from the book, the books and the life of Paul. But Barnabas reached out to Saul. So we thank God for that. My question to you today, which are you in raising up workers for the next generation? Some of the young people are going to meet with us at lunch today. I think that's a great opportunity. Are you getting behind them? Are you knowing what God is doing in some of the lives of our young people? Even at Asbury College recently, have you been following along? God's been working in many hearts. Let's pray that God will even stir more people. I was watching that Thursday night when they had a final session a couple weeks ago. And one of the challenges of the leaders was to try to find Christians who would be praying for different universities and colleges that God would do the same in people's lives. And this is how a lot of our missionaries went out over the years. They were in a university. We're listening about C.T. Studd. We have some books out there at the table you might like to look at to encourage your children and youth reading about heroes of the faith. We're listening to an audio coming. We just put it in the car. We're about halfway done. We're thinking and listening how God used him on many universities. Way back, student volunteer movement. Thousands were willing to go by many staying back and praying too. I believe God can do that again. And surely we need revival in all of our churches, even right here at the church, to move out and share. So the question is, are you an encourager or a discourager? All right? It can happen. I've heard different stories about parents saying, I don't want you to consider being a missionary. Never do that. Or the mother saying to the child or to the son who has a couple children, if you go away, what are, I can't even see your children. All right, don't do that. All right, there are different ways we could discourage. Could be words, by actions. Even in Nigeria, some of our students at the Bible college, they have come out of a Muslim context. Or they want their child to go to university to become a lawyer or a doctor or a professor, but not a missionary. You're going to be poor. Well, I think Colette and I can testify. God's met our needs. And again, our joy is seeing these students moving on for the Lord. Our parents have been right behind us. Colette's parents on the left, my parents on the right. We thank God for their lives because they've been encouragers. 
They've been supporters. Even before I was born, I think mom was pro- mama was probably paying for me that I would be willing or one of the children be willing to go. All my four sisters know the Lord. They're some of our biggest supporters as well. Still, even each month, they're behind us in different ways. So we thank God for them. I show this picture because these are some of the missionaries who are making a difference in Nigeria. This is the Evangelical Mission Society of Equa, and they have about 4,000 workers. Many of them are husband-wife teams in about 18 countries of the world. Some are even here in the States, a few of them. But behind them, I want to encourage you this way. These are two of our graduates from the Bible and Missionary Theological College, Brother Simon and also Ruth Yako. They, when he was single at BMTC, he wasn't married, he and another brother, Eliezer, wanted to be missionaries. They were posted by EMS to one place up in the northern, the northern Cross River State. Then they got married. Both the fellas wanted their wife to come for a year of Bible college, and so Ruth came for a year. God led them. They went to Togo under EMS. They learned French. They were in, in Togo for about 12 years, came back to serve in several places in northern Nigeria. We visited them one time and visited them in Kaduna when they were there. He then was the leader appointed to lead all of these missionaries. So in a way, in many ways, you have had a part, even though you didn't know it, in seeing some of these leaders move on. Imagine some of these leaders. He knows at least four languages, English, his vernacular from his village. He knows French. He knows Hausa, the generic language of the whole north of Nigeria. So wherever he goes, he might not know Spanish, but he, can, he doesn't need an interpreter or a translator in many of those places. This is very common in many of our students. They know two, three, four languages. I know English well. I, I've been teach. I think, at least somewhat, I should say. <laughs> but I don't know other languages. I was always in a context where we could teach in English and try to help some of the students coming up. Some went to the Ph.D. level in Nigeria and also here in the States. So we can see different ways God can use us. But I'm thinking about encouragement. You have been senders. And so we thank God. My son, too, Dwight has had a, one of his teachers at high school in Nigeria, Coach Toller. He poured his life into a few of the fellas. Dwight was one of them. Some weekends they'd go for a trip out on the, among, um, the mountains. Or they, he'd in, you know, say, hey, here's a good book I want you to read. Or invite over, him, them over to their house. And Coach Toller really did well to help Dwight. Coach got ALS and had passed away a few years ago. But he left a mark on Dwight, and even Dwight now, Director of Discipleship at Lancaster Bible College, trying to pour his life into the lives of others to stand for the Lord. So we want to thank you for what God has been doing. There's a book, and I think I might have a sample of it here, but it's a book, Serving as Senders, Different Ways That You Can Serve. And I have also have a list out there, and if they finish, I'll be glad to send some different resources that can help you to encourage yourself and to encourage others in the areas of missions. 
May God use you at Webster Bible Church to raise up members for the next generation to be like Barnabas and Saul, or Paul, Romans 1, 14 to 16. I think, again, we might have had them read today. But Paul says, I'm a debtor. I'm obligated. He said, I'm eager. I'm ready to share the gospel. And then you might know Romans 1, 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to anybody believes, Jew or Gentile. This is the challenge we have. The work isn't done yet. The opportunities are many. God is still calling for people to work and to go. And then when he calls them, he says, I'm with you always. Thank God. Let's pray. Dear God, we want to thank you for our brothers and sisters here at the church. We thank you for what you're doing. We pray that you'll continue to stir hearts and to raise up more people. Thank you for what we can do. I believe many of us can do more just as we trust you and yield ourselves and everything to you. So again, we thank you for each one here today, young and older, and that you'll continue to use them to be a part of the ministry. We know that in heaven we'll be rewarded for what we've done, how we've used our time, our talents, our gifts. May the Lord continue, may you as our Lord be just not Savior, but Lord as we yield ourselves to you. Thank you for helping us and continuing to guide us even this week and this year as we look ahead to your soon coming. May we be faithful in Jesus' name.